Hello and welcome everybody to another episode of our Fractional CMO Marketing Leadership and 100 Days and Beyond podcast where we talk to, um, I would say, the, the, the fraternity that's paid its dues, that's done the hard yards, I think, in life and, and actually done the, the hard work in terms of building not only businesses but also their own internal or personal skill sets the uh, emotional, physical, and mental uh, states, and actually going through multiple changes in, in this wonderful world that we live in. Uh, if I just recount <laughs> in the last year what we've had to go through, and now we've just gone through another weekend of, of something completely different again. It's like this whole world has gone, has gone unbelievably, I think, just the, the, the amount of things happening. I don't know if it's just me but I'm, I'm seeing a multitude of things oliver welcome to our podcast today and i really appreciate you joining us i'm really looking forward to our conversation welcome hi dudley thanks for having me great to be here great great to be here. and then uh, it's great for, for you to join so so oliver look I, I i think you know from a from a guy with with, with your background and and uh and your understanding of of the world as it is, and being an actual leader within the space that that, that you're in, I, I thought instead of me, what I normally do is I normally sort of go into the uh, the LinkedIn profile and so on and so forth. And mm. I think today I'm going to sort of mix it up a bit. I'm going to say, look, Oliver, give us give us your view, give us your understanding. Like, how did you get to where you are right now? And 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 you know, let's let's kickstart it like that. And 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 we'll we'll take it from there. So Dudley, the, the the podcast must be done a lot longer than we anticipated. Yeah, if you want to hear all of that. <laughs> <laughs> no, well, I think the, the I think it's a good question because um, in in uh, what you see in hindsight is probably something you wouldn't have been able to plan. And uh, I guess where where it all sums up for me is a is a um, generic curiosity of of new things of things that. I didn't understand. I wanted to learn. I wanted to know. And if you if you follow this 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 lead, then you inevitably get to a point where you accumulate a lot of things in in life. And um, at some point in time, then you can really take stock and say, actually, I have so many things now um, um, learned and 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 uh, in my backpack for a better word. Yeah. And what do I do with it? Yeah, and that leads then to a point where you you maybe also find that you're a bit a jack of all trade and you know a lot of things, um, but nothing well enough to to do something in that particular space. Yeah, and um, the 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 key moment is probably then when you meet people that complement your skills, that add something to what you have, or you add something to what they have. And then suddenly you can build something with it. And that exactly happened to me. I mean, I've been, um, without going through the LinkedIn profile, yeah, um, in, in detail, well, I started uh, as, a, as a plumber many, many, many moons ago, yeah, mm-hmm. went to university, um, started as an engineer in one of the big blue chip companies in the world at Siemens. Um, after a few years, I realized actually um, engineer is fantastic, but if you don't understand financials, um, you, you don't know why you're doing things every day. So I changed the financial side. 
realized I need to understand marketing and sales better and move to that side and and on and on and on changed industries from communications to um, uh, IT solutions and services to healthcare and and ended up with a massive um, tool set there and um, wondered really what I do with it yeah and the first natural reaction what most people do is I become a consultant yeah so everyone wants to be a consultant and consult in everything but there are millions of consultants around so to differentiate is very very difficult but over this journey I found people that were kicking an idea around which um, was probably from a very very early day something I had in the back of my mind as something that's very interesting and this is as boring as it sounds, receivables management. Yeah, um, it started probably with a friend who had a, a startup about forty years ago, thirty-five years ago, and I helped him a little bit in the back office and realized actually people are not paying their bills. Yeah, and this is easy money to gain, and um, I chased the bills and got the process set up. And, and, and anyway, and that was also following me in Siemens, yeah, becoming a few times cash champion in Siemens um, by being absolutely focused on, on this area. And this was a topic that suddenly popped up after my career in Siemens. And um, when I met these few guys that were kicking an idea around of actually, this problem is a massive problem in the SME space. Yeah, mm -hmm. Small businesses have this every day and they don't have the means and the expertise blue chip companies have to address this and i thought actually well that is fantastic i love it yeah and that was the moment when the next chapter opened up and so that's where we are now yeah, yeah I'm, i i love that i mean from from plumbing to marketing to engineering to <laughs> yes <laughs> what, a, what a wonderful toolkit and and I think I think um, each one influences the other, and and as you build your 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 toolkit, as you call it, um, it just expands and gives you the ability to cope with things. I mean, engineers are probably more structured in their thinking. Marketing people are probably theoretically more um, creative, if you if you like. But these days, you need almost an engineering degree to do proper marketing as well, and um, yes. you probably need in terms of. Um, the systems and things you use from an <laughs> engineering perspective, yeah. you need probably software, and and then you also need the people skills because I see, um, you know, your your your, your skill set is, is incredibly diverse, and and that's why I wanted you on on online today because I think mm -hmm. this space that 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 you ended up in in terms of collecting money and so on is is a service of obviously that that needed to be created but you've gone through a journey of, of of setting this lot up because i'm sure there have been things that have happened along the way that um that potentially could have been a stumbling block could have been issues that stood up and 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 have been um let's call it challenges i mean tell mm -hmm. us a little bit about about some of the sort of steps you had to go through from I mean, coming from a very structured organization, I mean, Siemens mm -hmm. as a company, I mean, it's from the outside, it looks like a very well-oiled machine. There's structures, there's processes. I'm sure there's standard operational procedures for everything. And, and it's true. <laughs> and it's, it, everything is yeah. sort of, it's, it's black or white. That's it. There's no, there's no coloring between the lines. 
And then getting into an entrepreneurial world, um, that transition must have been interesting. And then also just going through the stages of startup all the way through to where you are now. Give us a little bit about that journey of how you experience it. Yeah, I mean, I think um, I think your suspicion there, yeah, that you probably don't have the um, I call it the, the 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 flexibility you need to be in a startup space. Yeah, it's probably. Um, not a bad, bad thought, yeah, because this is something that kept me awake, uh, at the very beginning, because if you, if you, if you trained to do everything hundred percent perfect before you move and maybe have a few others checking your homework first, then suddenly to get to a point where you say 80% is good enough, go on. It's, it's a, it's an uncomfortable move. Yeah. And, uh, and uh, I think the only thing I would say probably is because I have in, in the 30 years in Siemens being in, in a lot of change. Yeah. So I have a restructured company, we have bought companies, we have laid off companies and, and I was in the middle of that. And you, you, in, in this particular environment, you, you, you need the same skill set. You can't, do a hundred percent due diligence before a company is being bought because somebody else would afford it. Yeah. You can't analyze every problem to, um, the, the, the latest little bit, um, before you start solving it, because if you have hundred problems on your plate, you have to do it. And this is something I've done many, many, many times in my life. And the question was probably more, how can you apply the same thing here? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, um, but to be honest with you, um, uh, I fell in this trap. Yeah, I fell in this trap when when we we started analyzing um, whether this business opportunity is a true business opportunity or just a, a pipe dream. Yeah, um, we started with competitive analysis, market analysis, all the good stuff you do. Yeah, uh, product development plan. What what would it be our customers might like and all this stuff. Yeah. And at some point in time, a friend of mine said to me, I'll tell you what, Oliver, you, you're running in danger of being 15 months pregnant. Yeah. <laughs> and, and that was a bit of a wake up call for me when I said, actually, he's probably right. Yeah, he's right. Yeah. And, and then there's always the question, um, actually, are you confident enough to say that, oh, I have enough in my tool, I move on. And if I made a mistake, I need to correct. Yeah. And that's, that started and then we, we, we realized and I realized that actually that works quite well for me. Yeah, this is not something I have to be worried about. I have no sleepless nights about it or so. It's more the question actually, okay, it's not a disaster if you make a mistake. Yeah, um, you need to correct it. The only difference to my previous life is it's my own money that's in play. Yeah. So you're, you're, I tell you, you're more focused with that. You probably know this as well from you. <laughs> you're more focused if, if it's your own money. Yeah. So that, that was probably a, um, a big step. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, the, the, the other thing is, is probably, I touched on it earlier on that if you, if you do something like that, and um, as much as I think I have a, a broad uh, tool set um, to, to, to be a business person, um, you also have to accept and understand where the limitations are. Yeah. So I worked, for example, many years in, in the IT environment, but I'm not an IT expert and I by no stretch of imagination, somebody who could lead um, the IT aspects of our business. Yeah. But when I met my, my business partner, Herman, I realized actually here is the guy who brings this to the table and together I have the business side probably more 
I'm not saying mm -hmm. he doesn't have. He has it probably to some degree, but not as much as I have. And I have um, some IT skills, but not the IT skills he has. And that was a very compatible uh, package. Yeah, And that helped us also being confident enough to say we move on and we we put our own money in the business so we have no investor at the moment yeah we have done everything ourselves and we're proud of it yeah and uh and uh, so that 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 basically is another big aspect of it hmm. yeah. yeah i'm loving that and 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 i want i want to sort of extend that a bit and because one of the things that 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 when we had our first quick chat um was was how do you how do you choose the right partner because um you know there's this and it's cliche or i don't know some people call it but they say a partnership is a ship that's never meant to sail and and you and you get this you get this place where partnerships sort of it sounds like a good idea and you get your yeah. your mates or whatever involved and when you look again you no longer have a friend, nor nor do you have a business, or whatever it is, or you've ran, mm -hmm. you've lost all your money. Um, uh, but tell us, how do you make a partnership? How do you first select? How do you know? You know, yes, you you spoke about the strengths coming together, but there are also things like frictions, and and I'm sure there are things like mm -hmm. discussions and things you have to have that sometimes are uncomfortable. How do you make a partnership? work it's a bit, bit like a marriage yeah. to a great extent isn't it but yes, it tell is. us a it's bit a, about that yeah. partnership mentality like all the way from the beginning because not you're not always sure whether you, firstly it's business you're not sure whether you're going to business but second mm. is should i do this myself or should i take on someone else that that could potentially mm -hmm. share the burden but it comes with its innate uh, sort of risks if you like it's absolutely key what you're saying. And, it, and it's even worse than what you said, because um, due to the pandemic, yeah, um, the, the things we have done for, for decades yeah, of meeting people and um, sussing them out, reading the body language and all this stuff wasn't, wasn't possible yeah, because we couldn't meet. So we had to start a partnership without being having met without having a person you met yeah so just just on screen yeah and that is is a is an additional challenge yeah? i guess um what i think what it comes down to everyone has to to um basically investigate uh him or herself and and, and try to find out actually how good am i in judging people yeah because if you if you look back for 30 years and say actually in the main when i met people it was a disaster and I, I had to find out later actually that was not working and i i had to fix a lot of problems afterwards then maybe in such an environment is a bad idea to do this but if you are lucky like me where i say the majority of people and of course not everyone yeah that would be would be a, a total lie yeah? but in, in in the majority i felt that i'm quite good in finding out whether I can work with people or not, yeah. And that is is the first step. Yeah? The, the second step is um, when you start working with people, you soon find out whether there are some um, different values in play between the different players. And if you have different values, 
is is like you 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 said it's it's a bit like a marriage. It's the same in a in a uh, in a marriage at home. Yeah, if you have different values, I can assure you it won't work. Yeah, and the same <laughs> is in business as well. <laughs> if you if you feel um, certain things like 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 say for example um, a structured approach before you make a decision. Mm. Um, if you think about um, honesty, if you have concerns, if you find um, truth, uh, truthfulness an important thing, if things go wrong, and if the other partner doesn't have it, then I think that's the moment to step back. Yeah? And uh, in all fairness, uh, in, in the early days of, of our venture, we had such a situation. Yeah? Mm. And, uh, we were initially a few more people and uh, all with fantastic skills. And I'm not saying they're bad people, but probably not compatible with um, what Herman and I feel is is required to, to, to work together. And uh, there was a point where I had said, actually, look, guys, I was I was the last one joining here, so I have no right to demand anything. So I'm out. That's not for me. I have dealt in 30 years because i had to in in siemens not only with people i love to work with but also with people i had to work with and i don't want to do this anymore yeah that's the whole purpose of of doing my own business otherwise i could hire somewhere else again probably would earn a lot, a lot more money at, at least at this stage yeah um but i want to do something with with people i trust i like working with where i know that the the majority of ideas and values are the same and um that was the second point really where i felt actually with uh, the business partner i have now um that is working extremely well yeah and that was confirmed and also when we finally met in person yeah that uh, i think he's a great guy and we're, we're getting on quite well with each other but these these, these two things yeah there's be truthful to yourself and 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 wonder are you good with people? Are you not? Yeah. And be honest with yourself. Yeah. <laughs> because it's, 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 you can lie to everyone, but you can't lie to yourself. Yeah. So it, it be honest with yourself and, and talk to yourself about it. And then also take consequences if you feel actually it's not working. Yeah. yeah I want to I ask then look, you've started, you, you, you were in Siemens for well, the 30 odd years, and then, and then you now go into, into your own, own business and you, and you, you have to go out there and you got to start selling your services. You've got to start speaking to people, get generate mm. clients. Um, now customer selection. Now we spoke about partner selection, but, but selecting the right customer um, in the early days is, is relatively difficult because you've got this conflict between I need mm -hmm. clients, I need customers. And then, but I also need to make sure that I select the right people <laughs> to work with because in effect, in your business, being you know in in in, in the, the nature of your business, if you like, is one where you have to maintain good, strong relationships, and people have to be mm -hmm. able to trust you to do the part that they're not potentially not able to get to. But you got to be able to have, select the right kind of customer to go on a journey mm -hmm. with, because it's you don't do one-off sales. I mean, you do you do longer-term agreements. Tell tell me about sort of the, the, the first sort of customers and then how you've actually matured that, 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 that model, because we are talking about marketing, marketing leadership and sort of business development, mm -hmm. if you like, um, 
give us a bit of your 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 take on on yeah. that. I think I think there's it's probably one aspect which is probably a little bit more difficult than um, what you think, and there's something that is a little bit easier than you think. Yeah? So the, the the more difficult one is that um, approaching one customer directly is a very um, I wouldn't say difficult thing, but it doesn't get us very far because the the there are six million SMEs in the UK. Yeah, as so for a start, you can't speak to every one of, of of them. Yeah, you can speak to a few, and if you speak to a few, they will have exactly the problem we are solving for them, but they don't have hundreds of these problems. They have maybe half a dozen or a dozen of these problems, yeah, unpaid invoices. So we can help them with that, but they might not have anything for the next two months. Yeah. So the the individual customer relationship is hmm. not getting us very far. Having said that, you need many of those. And the risk is if you don't pick the right one, if you don't treat them mm. correctly, then the word will spread that your company is no good. Yeah. So therefore, you have to make sure that you understand the customer's needs first before you approach them. And that, mm. that's the key. Yeah. So it's not, I know, Dudley, you have a problem. You have a customer who doesn't pay you. I solve this for you. No, no, I need to make another step and say, what is Dudley's concern? if I want to help him and solve this invoice. Will he lose this customer as a result of this project or this this, this uh, support? Will he feel actually, yes, uh, I got some of my money, but I got only half of it? Or actually this, this problem disappeared in a big hole and I never saw this guy again. And then suddenly mm. a year later he told me his page. So no, you need to come up front and say, look, first of all, we do this in an ethical way. Yeah, so we are people that work with reputable companies that cherish your customer relationship. Your customer relationship is as valuable to us as it is to you, because if you tell later on, actually, they got me the money, but my customer is gone, this doesn't help anyone. So we want you to keep your customer. So we are thinking about mm. your problem and, and, and your concerns and explaining to you First of all, that is important to us and that we will work on cherishing that. Yeah. So th this is how, how this works. So you, you go around and of course you speak um, initially um, what you do in your network to people and, and find people that um, are open to work with you. Um, first, just to test what your product looks like and then obviously going into true business with you. And you you talk about their concerns openly with them, and and if this clicks, then you have the right people. Yeah. Hmm. So, um, on on the other hand, we're also not interested in in being used as cowboys to to bring money in, and then our reputation is wrecked, and maybe the client is happy. Yeah, that has to be a mutual positive hmm. thing, and only then it really works. Yeah, and I imagine working with SMEs is, uh, you know, that they don't have 10,000 clients or customers. So, you know, they, they have a much smaller number. So losing one or two customers 
because there's an issue on an invoice or on some work it was supposed to be delivered and there's a dispute or I don't know, whatever the reason is, um, you almost got to help your client bolster their relationship with the person you're collecting the money from, but at the same time mm -hmm. collecting the money without upsetting anybody. So, um, and do that at scale. And so that's why I thought it'd be a fascinating um, conversation because you are managing to overcome the ability to take what is essentially individual personal relationships of SMEs with their clients, but do that at a more and more and more of a scaled uh, way. Of, and it, it, it's it, for me, those two are quite difficult to, to take it. It's easy enough to, to have maybe 20 SMEs to work with, and then you're doing yeah. a few invoices a month. But if you get 200 or 2,000 or 20,000 SMEs to start working with, all of a sudden, there's a different scale we're talking about. And now you've got to be able to put in repeatable processes and you've got to be able to, yeah. to, to, to build it from there, but still maintain that personalization that you had initially. So, I mean, that's that's an interesting journey. What, what What's your your comments around that? Yeah, I mean, you, 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 you probably have... Um the same dimensions in, in in any business that that have to be in sync to make the business work yeah so you have um, the structure of the business the process of the business the people and and maybe the support if you want as a, as a dimension like in um, it support and this kind of stuff yeah and if you have a good structure in your company if you have good processes in your company and if you have, if you have good people then the, the company starts, the business starts surfing. Yeah. If you have a problem with one of the three, so for for the sake of our discussion, you don't have, have the right people, you need to overcompensate this mm -hmm. shortcoming with more structure and more process. Yeah? So in, in in if we transfer this into, into our model, um how how do we do this if we can't be sure about this people relationship because it's just too many yeah mm. the only thing we can do is we overcompensate this with structure and, and and process and this means we're getting the right business partners in in play that doing the collections for us so we're not working with everyone we're working with people that are here for decades in some cases uh for a century already um that have been vetted and tested by um, by uh, bodies that um, basically rubber stamp the, the the quality of these these organizations, and um, in in terms of the process, we have our own processes that ensure that mm -hmm. we get the connection between our client and and the data uh, in place, and and that this is a safe and secure environment. Yeah. Um, Time will tell, yeah, whether we got this absolutely right. I'm pretty sure mm -hmm. here and there it will need adjustments, but this is is a fundamental fundamental start. So you cannot um, to to go to the other extreme. You cannot work with just a collection agency and and hope that they are right without looking at them and and just having an email process in the middle and hope everything goes right. That would be a cocktail for disaster. Yeah. Yeah. So, and, and then also, I mean, I'm, I'm thinking, 
I'm thinking the, you know, having been in business for, for, for some time myself and, and also working with different entities, often um, there could also be a symptomatic reason why there's a collection required. Mm. It could be a business problem that your client has that they're not fulfilling on certain obligations or certain parts of the contract sure. and therefore there's a dispute or something something like that yeah. it's not just that the person can't pay or is unwilling to pay it's mm -hmm. there's often a, an underlying issue or reason why i mean i i'm just thinking from a marketing point of view i mean it's it's, it's quite fascinating you you you've spoken here about um speaking to your to your client making sure you understand what they really want. So this is your SME that needs to collect mm -hmm. the invoices. Also being able to engage with the person that you're collecting from, or at, at least understanding what the issues are, because once you can un unpack that, there are potentially things on both sides that could be fixed, probably client yeah. and, and your client and their client or customer. And, and then you start getting into systemic issues because you know, there could potentially always be disputes. So yes, it's yes. one thing to keep going to collect money, but there could be a, a systemic, there could be something within their business mm -hmm. that's that's an issue. So so there, there are so many variables. So uh, what's very interesting is that, that you actually go, number one, marketing rule number one is go and understand your customer, understand who they are, what their main issues are and so on, and really truly under, understand that. And then number two is to start building up what what you would know as well is, is the ideal customer profile. Sort of, mm -hmm. what does an ideal client or customer look like to us? Because it could be different to 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 a different organization. So that's mm -hmm. number two. It's like, who who do I really target? That's number two. And then number three is, where do I find them? Which is the other question we're probably going to get to. Is as in, you're doing mm -hmm. networking, you're doing talking during the pandemic. It was a lot more difficult to do any of those kind of things to get in front of people. Um, and there's this proliferation of online uh, meetings and so on. And like you said, right at the beginning, you're talking about body language. You know, we used to the face-to-face -face meetings and all of a sudden it wasn't. So now, uh, you know, how do you gauge whether you, you're actually interacting or engaging your, 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 your target, whoever you're talking to? So there's a number mm -hmm. of core marketing and business development principles that you've, that you've already touched on. I want to I want to sort of sort of start unpacking that a little bit because how do you deal with when you know there's a repeat problem and it's not necessarily the customer of your customer's fault it's mm -hmm. your client or your customer's fault that mm -hmm. things keep going wrong and people don't want to pay their accounts how, how do you deal with that First of all, respect. You clearly made your homework before we started talking. Yeah? <laughs> <laughs> um, no, this is this is one of the key things, of course. Yeah. So um, th these um, disputes are obviously a big chunk of of uh, the reason why people are not paying. Yeah? Um, and, and as much as we are not focused on the areas where people um, are in dispute, because um, Let's unpack dispute first. Yeah, there are two different types of disputes. One is the the service or the the product hasn't been delivered or in full or to the right quality. Yeah. So if you order a car and the car arrives without wheels, then clearly the job hasn't been finished. Yeah. So this is stuff we are not focusing on. 
And so we tell this our clients very well, this is not what we're here for. Yeah. But there's another dispute where people say, actually, I'm not paying because um, you misspelled my company name on the invoice or um, I don't know, your, your invoice looks different to your order confirmation or I had a different understanding of da 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 da, da. This kind of dispute we deal with hmm. and we have, we have um, business partners that are um, specialized on these areas. Some of, of our partners are saying, no, we're, we're not doing that. We're just going for the pure financial non-payment. Mm. But we have some that are trained and uh, uh, and focused on this area and with the idea to bring a solution to the table. Yeah, not to to just um, with all the legal tools we have to, to get the money and a solution for, for both. Yeah? But the, 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 the key issue, of course, is um, do we just want to focus on a problem that between you and me and everyone who is listening here shouldn't exist in the first place. Yeah. Um, people should pay their bills. Yeah. If you, if you saw my, my comments on the um, uh, offices for, for, for small businesses this morning, yeah, the same situation we are mm. dealing with in 30% of the cases is unimaginable if you're sitting in a restaurant. Yeah, if you go to a restaurant, you pay him, uh, uh, order a meal, get a fantastic meal for your family. At the end of the day, you will pay before you leave. You will not say, actually, I'm not interested in paying. Uh, I definitely pay later, but definitely not now, or maybe I don't pay at all. You would never have such a conversation. So why is it okay in business? Yeah. So, <laughs> um, yeah, it, but it's true, isn't it? It's this behavioral issue. It's a behavioral issue. and. Mm. Um, one of the things we are doing as well, because we don't want to be just the ones that focusing on this awful problem that is there. We're also helping our customers to get their processes in order. And we have um, a whole list of things what need improving on our client side mm -hmm. um, to avoid these situations. Say, for example, um, um, if you if you if you're a plumber and you say actually I, I built your new bathroom cost say 3k and then while you're working there the client says actually but i want to have also this done that done and that done in the end the the bill is 4k then has the plumber issued a new order confirmation in between well, it would have been a prudent thing to do because then there would be no dispute yeah <laughs> but at the end of the day um, what they do is they say, oh, what's 3K? And here's my invoice for 4K. Well, open season for not paying. Yeah. So these kind of things, um, or you have a big bill. What you do is you say, actually, hello, Dudley, it's Oliver here. The bill is due end of the week. Is there anything that stops you paying me? By the way, I still like you. Yeah. So <laughs> if, you do, if you do that, you build a personal relationship to your customer. And the customer is more likely to pay you than to say, actually, I don't care about that. Lee. Yeah? So yeah? That, that, that so there's a lot of stuff we have and we offer to our clients mm. to make their business better and prevent them from having disputes and so on. And for all the other stuff they can't solve, we are there to, to help. That that's the the approach. Yeah. Knowing it would be a wonderful world if if this wouldn't happen in the first place. 
and we would be out of business. But we know this will never happen. Yeah. So it's for us, it's better marketing to help our clients to organize their business better, have less problems, and then telling the others who still have the problems and actually these guys are good. Talk to them. Yeah, so so it, it's almost counterintuitive <clears throat> because you're a collection um, company, but you're helping your clients solve their collection problems. And therefore, your work diminishes with your client in in lieu of building a better reputation to get more clients. And yes. I think your, your initial statement when we first started was, you know what, there's a, almost 6 million uh, SMEs in, in the UK. So you can probably theoretically not run out of customers. That's exactly. your business. Yeah. But it's it's better to help your client overcome things that that they can quite easily overcome. Yeah. Your plumbing example is is quite a quite a good one. Um, if you look in the UK, I think I, I think I saw a stat the other day. In the last hundred years, um, say hundred years ago, most people were employed or were in environments where product or, or or things or manufacturing or mining and that sort of thing was done. Now we have many, many more service businesses. So let's say 90% a hundred years ago were product-based engineering, you know, that sort of thing. So it's goods and services like manufacturing mm -hmm. and mining and so stuff you can touch and feel. These days, I think that the stat is something like 16% of businesses actually make stuff in, in the mm -hmm. UK and the balance are service businesses. So service businesses are, I mean, you take your plumber example uh, yeah. is a good one. And sometimes the client is, or the customer is, is, is just as guilty because there are three words that I, I've, you know, I've, I've got my own service businesses. Uh, we do um, accounting and other types of software implementations and e-commerce and, and mm -hmm. so on. And there's this one thing that, that we always have to be training our staff and, and our people, especially salespeople and our staff all the time is, is these three words that are like, like absolute, like it's a it's it's potential death for that that relationship with the client and that's the three words can't you just when the mm. client says can't you just add that for me mm. can't you you know while you are yeah. here like you know the plumber while yeah. you are here you know you've just you've broken a hole in the wall for that pipe can't you just add another yeah. pipe <laughs> another yeah. tap yeah and it's like okay, I'll do it, but remember, it's going to cost you extra. So now yeah. the plumber doesn't actually put the tools down and say, look, wait a minute, I'm going to write up a change order here and a change request, and you sign it, and we have an additional quote, and, and, and in addition to the original quote, hmm. they're not going to do that. They're going to be like, okay, <laughs> I'll do it. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Technology, I mean, software installing and, and all that, it's even less tangible. Mm -hmm. Um you know, how do you know a work was done? And I think your analogy earlier with a, with a motor car, for instance, and I think a lot of software companies experience this. Is, and I've, I've seen um, court processes, not for myself, but for, for clients of mine, where they will create, a, uh, they'll get a brief for a software to be implemented, for instance. Um, they'll fulfill on the brief the way they understood it. The mm -hmm. client saw a different picture in their head. Although they're seeing the same piece of paper, the same estimate or quotes or whatever it is, um, but the, the how do you determine whether 
what has been given has been totally delivered. You had an analogy about the car. You buy a motor car mm. and and the, the wheels didn't come with the car. Okay, so it's like it's obvious there's parts that yeah. are missing. Now, when you install and implement software or do a service, there, there's a lot more gray, isn't there? I mean, it becomes Absolutely. a lot more difficult. And and educating your client to, to handle their processes better, have a better in, engagement with clients. Because I think, and I'm, and, I, and I'm doing a lot of talking, and I want you to just to come back at me with this, is what I'm, what I'm um, seeing is that it's not just about collecting the money. That's number one. Number two is, yes, it's behavioral and that. But number two is you want to keep the client. That's the first thing. At least keep the client. But number three is how do you make sure that you get more business from the client and actually get that client mm -hmm. so happy with you? And I'm not, not talking about your client. I'm talking about your customer's customer or your client's customer that they are so happy with your client that they will then go and be an advocate you know, we talk mm -hmm. about the, you know the, the 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 star ratings these days. I mean, isn't it? You look at a five star rating or yeah. a, or a one star, and and you look at these reviews and reputation management is becoming more and more prevalent, isn't it? So Absolutely. reputation management, uh, people, you know, you get these weird people on the internet. I mean, they're making all kinds of complaints and accusations about things sometimes mm -hmm. they don't even know about, or they just had a, a small. You know, incidents. I mean, let's say you go to McDonald's and someone's spilled coffee, and you happen to to slip, but the coffee was just spilled, and nobody could clean it within that split second. Now it's McDonald's fault. Mm -hmm. Now you write a long. Um. So yeah. So just come back to me about your experience around that, and uh, and yeah, and I mean, if you, if you can. I mean, first of all, you're absolutely right. Yeah, I mean, with with products, it's always a lot easier than just with services. Yeah, and um, it probably has to do with if you if you get a product, you you have something in your hand, you you see the value. Whereby with a service, um, you I'm just worried you're frozen that we're still okay. Yeah, yeah, yes, we're fine. Okay, we're fine. fine. Okay. We're fine. And there's just okay. something happening in the background. Yeah, yeah go for no it. Worries. Um, so with services, of course, it's it's a lot more difficult, as you said. Yes, yeah? so you it's, mm. it's difficult to measure, and and the I think the two things that 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 spring to mind there. One is if you have a good relationship with your your customer, um, th that is is really really important. And the second thing is that you give them something instead of of the um, the service dimensions. You don't say actually i wrote i don't know um 300 lines of code which doesn't mean anything to any client at all unless he's in it but if you say to them look if i do this for you this is probably a day's work at um, x pound the hour yeah and then suddenly what wasn't tangible becomes tangible and have this discussion up front and even if it's not precise because you've been put on the spot there you get an understanding and with the relationship together, it's very unlikely that the, the client doesn't value this conversation in hindsight. Yeah, I mean, there are always people that, that they're always difficult, but, but let's not talk about the extreme cases. Let's talk about the majority of people. If I have um, somebody explaining to me 
what is doing and what it means to me in my language, in my currency. And if I trust this person to some degree, it's very unlikely that I go back and challenge the guy on on, on receiving the invoice. Yeah. So that is comes back to to explaining and 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 the relationship properly the two things and this is nothing different to in blue chip companies yeah when um, Siemens had issues with uh, with their customers and it can be uh, companies like Ford of Europe yeah so also not, not a small fish yeah but it's the same thing you need a relationship to the people to the opposite partner. And they need to understand why you're sending an invoice and why it is important that this invoice is also being paid on time. These kind of things, if, if this is established, if it's outspoken, and if you had the knot in the conversation from your opposite partner, it's less likely that there will be a problem further down the road. Yeah, and I, and I think it's it's all part of marketing leadership, and and that, that's why um, you know this podcast and and these types of podcasts are, are very real, very important to, especially for those SMEs and those those companies and people that work in these environments that it's not transactional, and in fact the world has changed to such an extent that that it's now become a lot more relational. It is is definitely a lot more relational. I remember at the beginning of the pandemic, I mean, with one of our companies, we had um, quite a few uh, clients um, that at the at the start, I mean, I think the pandemic, the lockdowns were, were uh, announced, I think, on the 20th of March or something. Mm-hmm. And I think on the 21st of March, um, the company got phone calls from all the customers saying, we can't pay. It's because it was there's lockdown. It's yep. like we've just yeah. finished like one, two, three months of work. You yeah. had the money yesterday. Now you don't have the money. That just doesn't work like that. Yeah. Yeah. So it must have been quite interesting. I mean, in the pandemic, people not having the money, there's obviously that's true mm-hmm. as well because businesses had to close down. There's also been uh, issues around, um, I'm guessing, sort of a concessions made to be able to keep like tenants in buildings and and customers happy and so on. So mm-hmm. there's been a lot more relational discussions, I'm guessing, in in the space. Have, have you seen a behavior change in, let's say, the last few years um, where we are today? I mean, you you don't even to t- need to take my word for it. You know, if you if you look at the um, the business index from Xero, um, the accounting factory, factory Xero, yeah. Um, then you can read how the payment behavior has changed during the pandemic and that it's a, it's a, a negative trend for quite a while. Yeah. So the, the, the more interesting thing probably is why is that? Yeah. And um, I mean, they're, they're, as you said, they're genuine uh, businesses or people that are in genuine problems and, and um, that is probably undeniable. Yeah. Um, that, that is one one aspect. The, the second aspect is also it's it's in many many, um, or it's in, in generally it's probably in human nature that the majority of humans don't like uncertainty, and uncertainty um, pulls all brakes. Yeah. So there is there is the uh, there is a lockdown. Um, this will be disaster. Yeah, my business won't survive. I will lose everything I have. Uh, my children can't go to school anymore. I will never go on holiday again, and, and this kind of, of thinking. Yeah? <laughs> and 
and uh, and I think this is is, is actually human behavior, human nature, and uh, we don't like change. A few of us have been trained that change is good, and it creates lots of opportunity. Yeah, and if you are one of them, then consider yourself lucky. Yeah, I'm one of them. I'm lucky. Yeah, <laughs> but I also know that a lot of lot of people are not like that. Yeah, and that creates such a behavior, and. Um, it comes again to to um, the question of how do you address such behaviors? And, and the only thing I have seen being successful is talking, is talking to to the to the clients, to the debtors and explain to them um, what your issue is and ask them what their issue is and then finding a compromise. Yeah? So mm -hmm. a lot of the um, the solutions for larger issues in the debt collection industry, um, ending up in a compromise. And the compromise doesn't mean I'll pay you less. The compromise is usually a payment plan. Yeah? So you struggle during the lockdown, have mm -hmm. less income. So I tell you what, let's start with the collection in six months time. And then we spread it over 12 months in, in equal chunks. Is that okay for you? Does it work for you? Are you sure you can do it? Because I don't want to come back to this discussion. We have an agreement. You think you can honor this? Yeah, this kind of discussions um, help, mm -hmm. but you need to to have this engagement. And this is what debt collection is in these days about. It's not it's not just coming down with the uh, with the force of the law and threaten people. This is 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 not the case. I mean, you have you have. Also, that, that's last well, resort. Yeah. Often, that's yeah. last resort. The the going yes. the legal route. The, going the legal route is is the surest way to ruin a, a customer yes. relationship, isn't it? Yeah, and this is more in cases where um, where um, there is uh, an insolvency going on, and you need to make sure you have a space in the in the on, on the uh, creditor list in there to get paid at some point in time or so. But um, going legal. As a as a first step is is just silly. Yeah, it's just silly. Yeah, you, that that that's the surest yeah. way to mess things up. I want to I want to ask you just throw a slightly different um, angle into it, and and that is, um, a lot of SMEs rely heavily on doing business with larger organizations. So yeah. it's one thing to do business with let's call it consumers, or um, smaller mm. other businesses, or or businesses slightly bigger than you, but but, you know, they, they have similar, you know, let's call it uh, culture, if you like, where when you're dealing with the, one of these monsters, I mean, I'm, I don't want to name names, but mm -hmm. let's call it a, a massive retailer yeah. who starts becoming, but uh, they got a procurement office. So there's no, like, you don't go and speak to the owner or, or to anybody. You've got a procurement office, mm. you've got the salesperson there, and you then you've got the procurement, and then you've got to go through this vetting process and, then you go onto the vendor list, as an example, and then you now supply. And then they, I think this is often where the, where like, you know, your, the description on your invoice is not correct or you, mm -hmm. it's not the same purchase order number as we issued you and therefore we're not paying you. And then you will now be in the next cycle, payment cycle, which is 60 days mm -hmm. or whatever it is, you know, that, that kind of discussion. Do you, do you get involved with that type of thing? Because there, sometimes for me, there's a bit of a, a mismatch in terms of a, almost a David and Goliath in, in a way. But there's a there's a mismatch sometimes between SMEs yeah. doing work business for 
um, large corporations. T tell us a bit. Did you have experience in that? Yes, I mean, I think there, there, there are two different types of of um, big businesses. I would think yeah, there's there's the one type um, what you described. Yeah, so we have internal processes, and I mean, having been one of them, and procurement was always under me in in in, in my um, CFO times, for example. Um, I know that you have, for compliance reasons, also follow certain processes. So even if you like to pay um, uh, so and so limited the the, the, the invoice immediately, um, if the invoice uh, sorry if the if the address isn't correct, if the company name isn't correct, if the purchase order number isn't correct, if um, mm -hmm. the, the content of the invoice is a mismatch to to what you ordered, you simply can't. Yeah. So and there isn't there is an education. Uh, piece required on the small business side to understand what that is that is required. And then my advice would be just just follow what the requirement is. So ask when you engage with the, with this big company, what is your payment requirement? What is your payment cycle? Um, is there anything I need to be aware of? Can you give me an example of of a good good process? Good good invoice or so that goes through easily yeah and and then you can can solve these things and um, i keep telling this also um uh, small businesses a lot and say also build this in your in your price calculation yeah if you know that the company has a, a 30 day cycle but usually you you expect payment with receiving the invoice then take the interest for one month into your prices and tell your customer about it and say, look, this is up for grab for you. I'm just doing it because you're out of sync with what the rest of the market is doing. Yeah. So th that is the one part. The other part is, is the more evil part of the big companies. And unfortunately, they exist as well. And they know that they have the, the, the power over the small businesses and just mm. capitalize on it. Yeah. And I mean, there, there are um, two industries um, without naming any companies, yeah, but construction is a particular problem. And the other one is um, the the whole um, food and beverage part. Yeah? So where um, larger um, supermarkets, for example, have suppliers which are small farms or uh, small companies delivering. Yeah? And there is unfortunately in both industries is a massive issue at the moment where they mm. just basically manage their own cash on the back of the small companies. And that is simply not right. Yeah. And that's why the, the, the commissioner for, for small offices, the small businesses uh, has been put in place. I mean, mm. for me, it's still a drop in the ocean because there's just a few people trying to do good things. Yeah. But it's a, it's a good it's a good signal to the market. Actually, this is not acceptable behavior. Yeah, it's, it's the same thing. What I said earlier on with the with the restaurant bill. Yeah, you can't just stand up and say I'm not paying. Yeah, but these guys doing this because they think they can, yeah? and that that needs changing. As from a SME point of view, I would say, do only business with these people if you have to, or if you can afford to live with the problems, but don't anticipate there is no problem and do business with them and then then cry later that is not it, not working it, yeah it's that it's that that thing sort of know your know your client know your customer know know who yes. you're dealing with 
uh, do your homework uh, and so on. And I think that comes back to the theme of the of the podcast, which is really a lot to do with marketing leadership. And it's it's not so much generating new customers and making new sales and all that type of thing. It's about also managing and looking after things like cash flow, your invoicing process, your customer relationship once you've invoiced them, being able to communicate properly. And I think mm-hmm. you, you you said something that was golden, really, and that is that has got a lot to do with with just talking. You know, go and talk mm-hmm. to your your customers. Sit down and have a conversation. Uh, and 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 that is all part of marketing leadership because really. You want the customer to buy again from you, don't you? You want you yeah. want repeat business, and and you want to be able to get referrals, and you want to do all these types of things. So, yeah. if you're following decent marketing principles, you should have minimal collection issues. But when you do, yeah. you guys are the right guys to talk to because you can help again take it to the next level in terms of helping unpack some of the systemic issues, some of the processing issues. And some of the things that that you know, because this is your field, this is what you've chosen yeah. as as a business. And I want to use that as a segue because I see we're coming close to the end of the hour. And I think you were right when you said when we first started talking, we probably need longer than an hour. But <laughs> Oliver, it's been fascinating talking to you. I want I want you just to tell us a little bit about your company, how people can get hold of you, and sort of what are the sort of what are the things that they that, that they can that you can help them with. Yeah. So the, the, the key key thing what we're doing, when, whenever you're not able as an SME to collect your invoice yourself on time, or maybe not at all, because um, there are approximately six billion pounds being written off by SMEs every year and 30% of the bills on average are late. Yeah. So if you can't solve the problems yourself, then um, the the easiest way in these days is not finding a debt collection agency, negotiate with them. And then, so the easiest way is what we are offering here. And this is a marketplace which is connected at the moment to the accounting package Xero. So if you're a Xero customer, then you can see us as an accounting package add on there. And we would um, then automatically uh, connect with you. Um, then the next thing is you select yourself the invoices you want help with. So you stay totally in control of where you want help. You don't have to give us everything you have that's overdue. Just the problem trials you see or where you're not certain or where you need the, the cash cash earlier. And you, you click them. And with another click, you will get offers from our business partners. And there are different partners for different problems. So some are experts in a certain industry. Sometimes they prefer um, disputed invoice. Others prefer not to. Then there are regional differences. So you can select which one is the best fit for you. And then with another click, you basically pass the, the invoice to our partners and they take care of the process. And during this process of collection, they will inform you at what stage the collection process is. So in total, we collected it because it's it's a bit more punchy. Yeah, with six clicks, you can, from selecting an invoice to instructing a debt collection agency, solve your problem for, for that area. Yeah. Love it. So Love that's it. what we do. 
Um, however, I also want to scratch, we have also a corner with all the good ideas on our website where you can um, go through and, and learn from and improve your processes. Because at the end of the day, as we said earlier on in the podcast, we're not just here living on the problems. Yeah, We also want you to become better businesses. Yeah, That is mm-hmm. um, an important thing to us as well, knowing that this will probably help us with our business as well. So it's, I think, a mutual thing. Yeah. Yeah, so and, you uh, find us on on a company name, Dudley. The most important. Yeah, thing. No, so tell us about the website. So tell us, tell us what the web address is and yeah, and it's, how, it's how... www.biscontrol.com and biscontrol is spelled b i double z c t r l dot com. Yeah, and I love that's that, that, that easy. Ctrl because that's like your keyboard. The ctrl as in control. I haven't, <laughs> haven't thought about it. Dudley. Here we go. <laughs> Yes, that's that's what it is. Yeah, and um, at, at the time uh, we're going live in a in a few weeks. Um, but you can um, register with us. You can also send me personally an email. It's mm-hmm. Oliver at biscontrol.com, and uh, I will respond to you and and tell you what what the latest is. Uh, you might also get a goodie then in terms of the top ten ideas to prevent um, receivables. Um, overdue receivables receivables you shouldn't prevent but overdue receivables you should um that that might help as well yeah i love it that's yeah. that great i'm i think i thank you so much and and uh, please stay on the line don't go i'm just going to say mm-hmm. goodbye to to our audience and um but uh, that was fascinating thank you very much oliver much appreciated thanks for having me so um that's another episode of uh, our, uh, our fractional sort of CMO podcast where we talk to marketing leaders, people that are, are in that space. And although this is more around sort of collection of, of um, money and, and, and outstanding funds and so on, I think the marketing principles always apply. And, and, and you can really, if you are, are managing your business properly, putting the right systems, processes, procedures, and things in place, but also understanding the fundamentals of marketing, understanding that it's about a relationship with your customer. It's about building the communication channels that, that you need. And it's about making sure that that you're not just, just delivering on, on your service or product or whatever it is that, that, that you sell, but doing more to get build your reputation, build your ability to uh, to expand, get referrals, get more repeat business from existing customers and so on. But if, if we go one level further, that if there are issues, it's better to get professionals involved, people like Oliver, uh, Biz Control, where you have part of your accounting system, like you said, it's a few clicks, and you can actually get that systemized so that you're not being distracted from the real things you should be doing, getting the time to speak to your customers, getting your time to get more customers, getting the time to build referrals and further networks around your customer and client base. So if you're in an SME environment or even in a larger business, the customer relationship and the relationship-based um, engagement with clients and customers, are it's critical to your business. And, and even though we're talking debt collection, we're talking you know money and, and getting the money, if you've done all this stuff properly right up until the invoice, you've delivered the invoice with an explanation. And then if there are any issues that you're dealing with them 
long before you go down the legal or the, all the uncomfortable, unnecessary things that literally ruin your business long term. So I want to say thank you to Oliver and I want to thank you to as, as an audience. Hopefully this was of value and I think it was massively valuable because I think we need to be reminded that there are ways of dealing with things and that are better than potentially that has been done over the last 15, 20, 25 years. And that whole thing about behavior, and I love that word that Oliver uses, it's the behavior. It's the behavior of your clients, you, and, and obviously your employees and any systems and processes that, that you put in place. Thank you very much for joining us. Hope you join us on the next, next episode of, uh, of our fractional CMO Marketing Leadership Podcast. See you next time. Have a super week.